Hey, this is Dan Quiggle with episode 33 of Garage to Goliath, Leaders Building Legacies podcast. Here's the bottom line, everybody. That's why today is okay to self-assess, to see where do I stand? What kind of leader am I? And when we talk about leadership, think about it for a second. When you think of leaders of countries, leaders of great companies, leaders of, of, of great nonprofits, great teachers that you've had in your life, great um, coaches that you've had in your life, what traits do they have? You know, is it hardworking? Is it integrity? You know, what is it? Well, when I talk about the president, I talk about four traits that I saw in the president. And I actually went back to some of the staff to make sure that we were, I wasn't going rogue here and came up with my own, but we came up with four. And I want to talk about a few of them right now. Attitude of gratitude and humor. The other two were loyalty and humility. And, and, and those are kind of you know self-explanatory. But I want to talk about attitude and gratitude and humor for a second. Because one of my favorite Reagan stories, I'm sitting up in the office one day, the phone rings, it's the president, you never get used to that. And he goes, Dan, could you do me a favor? Could you go to the gift closet, grab some gifts, and meet me down at the car? Well, I'm not going to question the president. What are they for? Who are they for? What? No, I'm just going to do it. And by the way, there literally was a gift closet, I mean, filled with, you know, tie tacks and cufflinks. And they were, you know, his presidential seal, his signature engraved in gold in the back. I mean, beautiful gifts you can't buy in any store. And of course, beautifully wrapped. So I grab a handful. And I go down to the parking garage. And this is a, you know, this was the Die Hard building, he, you know, where they filmed Die Hard. He had the 34th floor. We're on the top floor. So, you know, giant garage downstairs, you know, multi-level garage. Well, what I didn't realize was in that garage, the guy who ran the garage from Mexico, he didn't speak a lot of English. He wore top hat and tails, dress shoes. I mean, played the part. It was a very nice building. He dressed the part. Well, every day when Reagan's limo and that motorcade would come into the garage, this guy would run to the outskirts, and it was not a short distance. He would stand at the entrance every morning and he would salute the limousine. And as the limo and the motorcade would pass him by, he would run back. And as they would circle through the garage to get the president as close to the doors as possible, he would run back that whole distance, had bought his own American flag and would stand and hold the flag and hold the door for the president every single day. Well, classic leadership, President Reagan recognizes what? This guy's going above and beyond, isn't he? This is not in his job description. So I remember I, I, the president waved me over, you know, in the garage, and I'm wondering what the heck we're doing. He was like a little kid. He's like, over here, over here. And I, I go to hand him the gifts. I'm still wondering what we're doing. You got a picture of the scene. There's three Secret Service agents, myself and the president, and we're walking toward the door, and he stops at this guy. And the guy just starts shaking. The door is shaking. The flag's shaking. And he looks at, you know, President Reagan, and President Reagan looks at him, and President Reagan said, you know, every day I come through this door, and every day you make me so proud to be an American. The way you stand there with that flag, the pride you're taking your job, he said, I know it's not much, but I want to give you a few tokens of my appreciation for what you do every day, which is make my day. And he goes to hand the gifts. Well, you have to picture the scene because the guy's trying to hold the flag, hold the door, grab the gift, shake hands. He can't do it all. So one Secret Service agent jumps in to grab the flag. The other one jumps in to grab the door. And I'm standing there going, you know, I love you, man. You are such a good person. And here's what I loved about that. Please let this be your takeaway because it was definitely mine. This was not a publicity stunt. This was who he was when people weren't watching. He never once turned to me and said, take pictures of this. Tell America what you've seen here today. See, and, and what, imagine me at my age getting to see that apparently this is what real leadership looks like. It's not about demanding or demeaning. It's about empowering and, and, and inspiring and, and appreciating. And by the way, how much does that cost us typically? 
Do you know how many times we'd be walking on a vent and where would he go? He'd break rank and, you know, leave the Secret Service and the confines of this kind of, you know, inner circle. And he'd, he'd write, and Secret Service hate that. They're like, he's moving, he's moving. Where would he go almost every time? Into the kitchen. High five the staff, the, the, the servers, shake hands with all the cooks. They will tell their grandchildren about that Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. You just got high five by a president of the United States of America. He'd apologize to all of them for keeping them away from their families so late that night. Do you know how many times we'd be up in the office and he'd get a letter from a sick child? And the staff, I mean, this great staff that he'd surround himself with, they knew that if, if you brought him a letter, you better have a phone number because he'd grab the letter. He'd go straight into the office. He'd call these kids. We were listening outside. He didn't even know we were listening outside. I mean, you could barely hold it together. He'd get the number. He's like, is Johnny there? This is Ronald Reagan. No, it is. Don't. They'd hang up on him, you guys, almost every single time because Ronald Reagan's not calling your, your home. It's Uncle Bob messing with you, right? And then he'd call back and he'd get Johnny on the phone. He'd say, you know, I just want you to know I got your letter, Johnny, and Nancy and I are praying for you. However, I need to, I need to, to know right now, do you believe you can beat this? Because you already realize you, you won the lottery of life, don't you? You're in America where we have the best doctors, the best system, the best hospitals. So if you could beat this anywhere in the world, you're at the right place. So you're ahead of the game. So we're going to be a team from here on out. We're going to pray. First of all, who does that? He did it all the time. See, I was speaking at an event with CEOs. And this guy raised his hand at this moment. And he said, Dan, my thank you department. I said, stop right there. Tell me everything. And he said, I have a one-person thank you department. We take our top 50 clients. We analyze everything about them, not just birthdays and anniversaries. No, where do they go to school? They like cigars, wine. What do they like? And then we thank them the way they want to be thanked because we should. What do you think I did with my company? I went straight back and created a thank you department. Listen, give people things that they care about, not things that you care about. We went out to dinner with a couple the other night. It was our first time together. Our kids play sports together. This is our first time away from the pool. We're walking to the table. In between the time they said, your table was ready, and we got to the table, he turned to me and said, Dan, the president of the company stopped me in the hallway the other day, said I was the best employee in the entire company. Yeah, that's right. Beaming permanent smile on his face. Come on, we know how long that, that conversation lasted in the hallway. Seconds. What did it mean to that guy? Everything. We have the opportunity to change lives, to appreciate every day. Do you know what I do when I talk about somebody for longer than 30 seconds or a minute? I call them. I text them. I say, I was just talking about you. Thank you for all the impact you've had on my life. See, here's what, what I, I truly believe, and I'm not trying to be morbid here. But if we know what the end result is, we all die in the end. It's a matter of timing. History proves it, me included. What will our legacy be? You know, when President Reagan passed away, it was a Saturday. I was in Florida at the time. I got a call within the hour. They said, Dan, what are you doing this week? I said, whatever you need me to do this week. Can you come to California? There was a flight in three hours. I said, I'll be on that flight. I could talk for a week on that week how incredible it was, what an honor it was to be there, the people that I met. You know what I choose to talk about? One hour. One hour where we took a break from working and we walked in to that rotunda 
at the Reagan Library where his body was laying in repose and we stood inside the ropes. They opened up the ropes and we stood there, four of us, for an hour and we watched as people circled around that coffin. People, by the way, that had waited nine and a half hours to do that. Who does that? Do you think any of those people went to lunch with him on a regular basis, hung out in his swimming pool in Bel Air, played golf with him on Saturdays? I will argue that the majority of those people were never even in his physical presence in their entire life. And yet here they are waiting nine and a half hours to circle around his coffin for a minute. You realize that to get people to do that, you have to influence lives. You have to represent things and fight for things that they believe in. So you're saying, now, wait a minute, Dan, I don't understand, because last time I checked, I'm sitting at my desk, I'm working a regular job, I have no plans on being president of the United States anytime soon, then why are you even talking about this? Then I challenge you to take into consideration what Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa was walking out of an event one day, and a man came through the audience pretty aggressively, and he pointed at her, pointed, and he said, how can such a small woman make such a big impact? And you know what she said? If you can't change the world, just change one life. And she kept walking. Come on, everyone. You realize you change more than one life, don't you? It starts with your family and friends. It goes on to your community. It goes on to your employees, your coworkers. And don't think for a second it doesn't go from your coworkers or your employees to their spouse, to their kids. Do you know how I view my life every day, everyone? As a series of dominoes lined up in front of me straight away. And guess what I get to do every day? I get to put out my finger and I get to push them down. Just poke it. And when I do that, what goes down the line? If I am negative, you know, if I am mean, if I am aggressive, what goes down the line? If I'm optimistic, if I'm a problem solver, if I'm a visionary leader, if I dangle the carrot, guess what goes down the line? You decide. See, I I sat 10 rows behind Mrs. Reagan on the center aisle that day. There was a 21 howitzer salute. And then just, you know, almost a year ago, nine months ago, 10 months ago, I got to help out with Mrs. Reagan's funeral. I was at the funeral home during the week and then up at the library the day of. See, what will your legacy be? Do you know, when I talk to leaders of families, of companies, I ask them this question. And I say, when I ask it, it's going to mess with me mentally because I'm going to think about it until I can stop thinking about it. And, I, and by the way, I say, if you don't have children, just insert family or friends or you know the people that are closest to you. But I ask this question, how will your children describe you to their children? What was grandma like? What was grandpa really like? Mm, I don't know. He was never really there. Oh, come on. She loved me more than you could ever know. She was always there for me. She made life fun. We had great experiences. She let me be me. And then you know what I asked them to do, and I challenge you to do this, if you're listening, to answer that question. But don't answer it the way they would say it. I want you to answer it in your wildest fantasy. How would you want to be described? And then write down a few words or sentences because I want you to have it in stone because here's the good news, everyone. If they wouldn't say that right now, who cares? You can't change it anyway.
What can you change, though, from this day forward? I remember speaking in Chicago, and this guy comes up to me at the break, and he goes, well, now I just feel horrible. You know, and he kind of laughed. He goes, I just was never there for my kids, and now they're grown up. And I said, well, where do they live? And he said, right here in Chicago. And I said, well, do you have grandkids? He said, yes. I said, well, then go be the best grandfather you could ever, they could ever imagine. Say, go have dinner. As a matter of fact, take the whole day. I'll take them. They're, they're going to be like, who is this person? It's never too late, but you have to set the goal and you have to start living that life, the life that you want. So do you give that attitude of gratitude? Do you appreciate each and every day? Do you appreciate the people around you? And do you let them know? And what will that legacy be because of it? Then comes humor. Now, I bring this up because I always, I always want to bring this kind of back to our personal lives and business and how it affects us. But there's something to be said for not taking yourself too seriously. President Reagan was the master of this. You realize that when tensions were high in a meeting, what would he do, everybody? Crack a joke. Almost self-deprecating humor. And what'd that do the air in the room? Ah, I can relax. One of my favorite Reagan stories, I'm sitting in the office one day, Mark Weinberg, the press secretary, comes over. He goes, Dan, you got to read this article. Well, the president was in Japan. While he was up at the head table, he doodled on a napkin. And he doodled all the time, especially cowboys. He loved doodling cowboys. And he doodled on the napkin. He signed his name. Well, the article said that a worker at the hotel found the napkin, auctioned off the equivalent of 48,000 American dollars. So Mark goes, come on, Dan, let's go. So we walk down into President Reagan's office. We walk straight up to his desk. The president was sitting there. It's just Mark, myself, and the president. Mark takes the article, throws it down in front of the president. The president reads the article, gets a smirk smile on his face, takes out a little sheet of paper, doodles a quick cowboy, hand, you know, signs it, hands it to Mark, and he goes, go buy yourself a car. To which Mark, you know, I'm like, do one for me. I'm the starving college student, right? I've got nothing. You know, he made it fun. He made it exciting. One of my favorite stories, I'm sitting up there in the office one day, the phone rings, it's the president, he goes, Dan, I left a magazine on my desk, do you mind dropping it by the house tonight? Uh, I I did, I drive up to the gate, Secret Service lets me through, I drive up to the house, President Reagan answers the door in his robe, it's embroidered RWR, and he's like, well, come on in, he's got that little saunter walk, you know, and I, I said, hey, I have the magazine for you, where do you want it? He goes, do you mind setting it on the bed in the bedroom? So I said, sure, no problem, well, I'd been in the house many times, I knew where the bedroom was, so I started to turn down the hallway he came up pretty aggressively behind me, grabs me with his right arm, like on my left shoulder, you know, and, and whips me back like I was going the wrong direction. I looked at him very carefully. and He, he looked at me very, you know, straight face. He goes, young man, not too many men get to say this, but my wife is waiting for you in our bedroom. And then he goes, just kidding. Go ahead. And I was like, oh, it's a joke. I'm like, oh, that's funny. I'm like, I knew they hired me for a reason. Like, what's going on around here? Now I'm afraid to go into that room. You know, but he made it fun. And this is all I'm saying because I want to bring this back. When you do that with the people around you, whether it's in your family or in your business, what does that allow people to do? Relax. Take a deep breath. Be innovative. Think outside the box. Bring you a best idea. Or do they fear, you know, being under the thumb, walking on eggshells, Do they fear the guillotine coming down at any moment? Because when they live like that, they're probably not going to give you their best idea, their best work. They're going to walk in and say, hey, here's that project you wanted. Nothing less, absolutely nothing more. Hopefully just what you wanted. Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me. I'm leaving the office now. Don't yell at me. He made it fun. Listeners, my team and I are working on some fun and exciting things coming from the Quiggle Group. So stay tuned for that. It's coming. In the meantime, though, please be sure to subscribe to Garage to Goliath in iTunes or SoundCloud. Don't just listen, subscribe, 
Subscribing helps others find the show. Please also leave an honest review. Your reviews help me get better as a host and help make this show better for you. And I'd be so grateful to you if you'd share this podcast with others on social media or send a quick email or text about the show to another leader you think would enjoy the podcast and that it would encourage them on their leadership journey. You can help me get the word out by sharing the podcast so that we can continue to build our leadership legacies together. Thank you.